Welcome to Zion Church of Curtin on this beautiful snowy winter morning. Let us stand together. And as we do, let us open up this morning's worship service by singing the words, Thou art worthy. We're going to follow that up with, Holy is the Lord, and we bow down. Let's join our voices together this morning. Receive glory. 
Remember last week we talked about New Year's resolutions and that kind of thing? This week, I thought we would talk about new things, right? So I looked up in the Bible and in Isaiah, let me see if I can find it real quick. I wrote it down. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. 
So that is found Isaiah 43, 18. So God's telling us, forget it. Don't, don't go back there. And we're, as humans, we're really bad about that. So I got out my planner and I thought, I'm going to look at what <laughs> I thought I was going to do in 2020. There was a Jay Cooker dance that got canceled. There was all kinds of things that got canceled. Let's see, I have Hannah's birthday was January the 4th. You just had a birthday. Happy birthday. And I know Tucker's is coming up February the 5th, right? Catherine's is like, let me think, August 28th. Some things, I, I remember numbers, and that's about it. So I look back at my calendar at all the things that I thought I was going to do, like be better at sending out cards. Failure. <laughs> Don't fall asleep while I'm saying my nightly prayers. Failure. So there are lots of things that I thought I was going to do, and I didn't get them done. And one reason is that I just tend to put things off. Do you put things off? You put things off? No. Well, good. Don't, don't, don't change what you're doing. So I did a lot of things that I shouldn't have done, and I didn't do a lot of things I should have done. Did you do anything you shouldn't have done? Mm, yeah, if we're honest, we all did. But I thought, okay, this year I'm going to do better. Just going to throw out the old stuff, start over. God said we can do that. In Isaiah, he said to do that. So this week, I want you to think of all the things. No, God says don't. Don't think of them. Let them go. They're in the past. And that we have a hard time letting go of things we thought we were going to do. So let's just start anew. It's a new year. Let's ask God to help us do things that we want to do. Does anybody want to say a prayer? No? You do such a good job. Are you sure? You're sure? Okay, I'll say a prayer for us. Dear Heavenly Father, let's just throw that old planner away and do something that is good for this year. Let's forget about last year. Bye-bye 2020. It's gone. It's a thing of the past. And you tell us in the Bible to let the past go and that you will make everything new. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And uh, let us stand together once again. When I was choosing the songs uh, last week for today, I was thinking about this next song and how God gives us refuge and protection from the storms of life. I didn't know we would be singing it in the middle of a curtain version of a snowstorm. So uh, you can take the double meaning and sing it if you like that in mind this morning. Let's sing Shelter in the Time of Storm. The Lord's our rock in Him we hide Shelter in the time of storm Secure whatever it'll be tied Shelter in the time of storm Jesus
Glad to see all of you that uh, decided to venture out in this weather, and uh, I just pray that everybody will have a safe return home. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, past weeks, I think I've talked to Aubrey about a lot of things. I've talked, I've read a lot of stuff, you know, and we kind of wonder, you know, with all the stuff going on in this world uh, and the things that, that we face as, as uh, families, is who's winning the battle for your mind and for your family. Um, what God says about men, <clears throat> women, homes, families, uh, ha has been really stood upside down in its head in recent years. Um, we've seen institutions that we thought were trustworthy uh, and, uh, suddenly change on a dime and abandon biblical principles that have stood the test for thousands of years. We thought we'd never see our local schools, universities, legislatures, and even some churches make concerted effort to change what we believe, control what we think, and restrict what we're free to say and do. As Christians, this new reality is mind-bending, and it presents a serious challenge. In the United States, at least historically, we've had the First Amendment and our Constitution standing guard over our rights, protecting our freedoms of speech and religion. Christians and other nations without these protections find themselves vulnerable to persecution, even arrest and imprisonment, simply standing firm on what the Bible teaches. Governments cannot force people to think a certain way, 
but they can undermine and change people's beliefs through education, legislation, and a false narrative. And what's behind this, what is behind all this anger and deception, manipulation, and division? And where did it suddenly come from? Well, first, we know it's not sudden. It's something that's been going on for years. And who's behind it? Satan. Satan is an ancient being. He's our arch enemy. He's exceedingly experienced, diabolically clever, and strategically brilliant. Martin Luther describes him in a few words as a few lines that he says, but still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. With some of these little, well, let's sit back up here. Well, Satan, uh, you know, he's he's unseen, and his power determines, he is determined to deceive the entire world in a life of death struggle to control our minds. With some, he's more successful than others. He is neither omnipresent nor omniscient. And he cannot read your thoughts. But his fallen angels <clears throat> that have been cast out of heaven with him serve to serve in every corner of the globe. And if he can catch believers in Christ in his dark web, he's going to try. So who wins the battle for our minds will determine the worldview controlling our thoughts, our choices, and ultimately our actions because what we truly believe we act upon. It's a deadly war. And the Apostle Paul called it warfare. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3-5 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The battle that we see isn't recent. It hasn't something that has just sprung up. It all began back in the Garden of Eden when Satan tricked Adam and Eve into doubting that God was truthful, trustworthy, and just. Satan has never changed his strategy. The Apostle Paul's 2,000-year-old warning is just as vital today. In Ephesians 6, verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, for this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So this battle rages over long-established biblical truths, and these truths that these battles are over are biblical roles of men and women in the home, whether or not God designed marriage, what marriage is, whether he created mankind, male and female, whether children in the womb 
are human persons created in God's image. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for, for today. We thank you, Lord, for the truth that's in your word, the truth that guides us, Lord, that guides us to lead our families, to be in fellowship in this community, Father. We pray for your continued strength in our homes as parents, grandparents, as we raise our children. Father, guide us. Be with them. Strengthen them, Lord, as they grow and become young adults in this world. Father, just give them a clear picture of what it's like, Father, to be a child of Christ. Lord, we uh, lift up those in this nation that are in need. You know their needs, Father, whether it's health, work, finances. But Father, those that are ill, we just lift up those, Father, and ask you to strengthen their bodies. We ask you to be with them, Father, in the coming weeks. We ask you to be with this nation. We ask you to be with the men and women who are fighting for the freedom that we have to meet here in Curtin, Texas. And we pray all these things through your Son. Amen. Good morning. The few, the brave, the Marines, we're here. That's good. And uh, it is a blessing to be here this morning. We've got some snow out there, and I don't know if it's still going to be here when we're done, if it's going to stick or not, but it was a blessing to coming over from Sunday school uh, to see those big uh, snowflakes, and so it is good to be here. Had no idea between the uh, pandemic, the coronavirus, and the wintry weather how many would be here, but we're here, and that's, uh, that is a blessing, and then we have many that are not here, and uh, just in the last eight weeks, I know that we've had well over 20 in our fellowship. Uh, probably closer to 30 that have uh, contracted the uh, the coronavirus. Uh, the majority that have have come to it. They're healed. They're on the other side, and that's a blessing. But we still we've got a handful of folks now that have just within the last week contracted the virus, and just continue to keep them in your prayers. And um, it's the world we live in, and so uh, obviously there's always much to pray for, and and certainly we live in a time where it is easy, should be, um, not second nature, but first nature for us to have a, a heart that prays, cries out to God for all the needs that we're surrounded with, close and far. Uh, I did want to mention, so the oldest Skinner daughter, where is she? See her? Where is she? Let me see her. Did, where did she? Oh, oh there's, okay. I thought she had a jacket, yeah. So she's, Carol, you'll be 12, right? Or 11? On the 12th. So that one's coming up. And uh, that's good. And then in the bulletin, let's see, I know we have, let's see, London Pelton. And, of course, Lorna's not here this morning. Uh, Shelly Stasny, her birthday is today, right? And she's not feeling well. Uh, Myla Wilkes. And so just look at that. And if we don't have your information, make sure you get that. We've got some great birthdays coming up. Uh, you know, uh, the 26th is Paul Newman's birthday. Okay, I'm going to quit right there. Anyway, it's, uh, it's good here. And uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, 
So, Dub Allen, Judy Curtin's dad, the service for him, it's in the bulletin, will be this Tuesday at Gravesite in Caldwell. And obviously there is Bobby, Judy Curtin, Jennifer Mundine, uh, Philip, another, uh, everybody are a part of uh, our congregation that's struggling with the uh, coronavirus. So, go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and then Revelation chapter 14. I, I remember uh, recently... Uh, I was recalled one of the great, the great gospel voices that I have known in my life. Dr. Jim Mankin had influences on me that are uh, very profound, and they still reflect uh, in my heart and my spirit today. But I remember him saying to a group of preachers, uh, it was a seminar at Abilene Christian University, and they were talking, it was a, they called it, I think it was the weekend of preaching and it was just they had invited preachers from all over the, the nation to come and, and spent that weekend uh, teaching and fellowship and uh, really encouraging preachers, those that had preached for many years, some that were going to be preachers, some that were starting out. But I remember in his opening keynote address, this was one of those statements that resonated with me. He said, as a preacher, and he used words like harbinger and, uh, you know, those wonderful terms that come out of the Bible that talk to us about evangelism and preaching. And, uh, but he said, there has always been this sentiment that has existed uh, that preachers shouldn't be alarmist. That don't be an alarmist. Don't be uh, an individual that gets in the pulpit and engineers and creates fear. Don't be an alarmist. And I remember that statement because what he said after that so clearly resonated and he, he spoke so truthfully out of the words of Scripture and, and, and he called us to that point that Scripture calls us to, inspired by the Holy Spirit in the mission and ministry of preaching. And, and he said, he, he yelled it out. He said, be an alarmist. He said, the Word of God, Genesis through Revelation, is a bell toll. It's it's a lot of things. It's an alarm. It's not small words. It's not easy words. It's not light words. They're heavy words. They're meaningful words. They're spiritual words. And they are words that uh, the loudest of bell towers could not compete with the range, the alarm, the call, the scripture rings, uh, rings out uh, to us. He said, be an alarmist. He said, you, you, John the Baptist was an alarmist. Jesus Christ was an alarmist. Every prophet that ever lived was an alarmist. Jesus himself, he, he'd tell me, be on the alert, be on the alert, be on the alert. Scripture says you need to be ready in and out of season to give a defense of what you believe. Stand ready. Stand in the gap. Be an alarmist. Now, he went on to speak and teach, and this is where it really resonated for me in my recent studies at the passage that we're going to look at this morning, where we're at as a uh, nation. And when I say nation, I don't mean the United States of America. I mean the nation that the Bible is concerned about, and that is God's people. God's people is called a nation, a kingdom, children, sons and daughters. We're called a nation. 
And so, as a nation, living here, where we're at living right now, at this place in history, if you recall when Jesus, before he sent his, his apostles out, he said, I have to tell you something. You're going to have a lot of tribulation. As you go into the world, you can be sure of one thing, there's going to be tribulation. But he said, don't worry, because I've overcome, I have overcome the world. But, but if you're in the world, you're going to have tribulation. We're God's people. We're his children. We're his nation. And we have a purpose. And part of our purpose is to put on display the will of God, our purpose in the will of God, our life with God, and in such a way that it has meaning, that it's the light that overcomes the darkness. It's the one clear and true voice that should be heard in our life and in our speaking. Don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. We're supposed to, our lives are supposed to be a life of faith, and the description in the Sermon on the Mount is that it ought to be a a, a sweet aroma. It ought to be a light that can be seen. It's a voice that should be heard, and it's an alarm. It's a bell that has been rung to a lost and dark and dying world. And Jim would say, be an alarmist. Don't don't preach fear just to preach fear and to uh, reach out to those hearts and those minds. Don't manipulate fear and attempt to gain popularity in the pulpit. Attract. I always remember one of the things that he said in relationship to this where he would talk about uh, that passage where Paul said, you know, there are those, there's going to be a time when people want they want, to, they want to have a preacher that tickles their ears. And he said, and I remember the first time that I ever heard this said, he said, you know, so many times uh, those, depending on which side of the aisle, the doctrinal aisle you're on, there are those that say, yeah, you know, those are those preachers that just preach prosperity gospel. They're tickling people's ears. And uh, yeah, you got to be careful because you can see those guys are just, they're just tickling people's ears. Uh, they're, they're preaching a prosperity gospel. He said the same is true for those who peddle fear. fear. Fear is an attractive opiate. Now, biblical fear is a different kind of fear. But he said, so don't be that preacher either. There's an alarmist, a fearmonger, trying to appeal to the fear of people's hearts for the same reasons maybe a prosperity gospel preacher would be. So what does that all have to do with the passage we're going to enter into today? Here's what it is. If you don't believe that we live in trying times, I don't, you would just have to be blind. Now, I would step away from that statement and say, when has there not been trying times? I would. I've said this from this pulpit before. As bad as you think things are now, all we have to do is go back to 1860. A uh, hundred and what, 60 years ago. Shortly after Don Beasley was born. But you would, and what was the death toll? Almost 600,000. It was over 500,000. Americans killed each other with malice in their heart. In this nation right here. With a third of the population of what it is today. We had a great depression in the 1930s. 
less than 100 years ago in this country. We had for, we've had famines and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. And we fought in World War I, we fought in World War II. I remember worrying about being drafted into the Vietnam War in the late 60s, early 70s in my own self. We've seen political scandal in my life. There hasn't been many presidencies where there has been at some level of some scandal. We've seen this country plagued in many different, um, many different ways. Battles and word and, and even the physical realm concerning racism seems to be something we can't get past. We've had a war on drugs and we don't really talk a, a great deal about the plague and disease in this country that is currently crystal meth. And prior to that, it was cocaine. And prior to that, it was LSD. And prior to that, it was heroin and whatever. Drugs. War. Disease. And then political scandal throughout the land. Who do you trust? We'd like to think that there's some level of justice that has existed, or maybe we've wanted to believe that it has existed. We have been a constitutional republic. It's an experiment that's over 200 years old now. And, and we have, I think, historically been afforded some liberties and, uh, that maybe other nations historically have not. But here we are. 2021. Our, our country is rocked with scandal. There's great uncertainty. There is a pandemic uh, virus. And I don't believe a person in here would say that you trust the people that are telling us and sharing the news about that pandemic. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that anybody here fully, I don't, trust what the government, the CDC, or the experts are telling us in any number of things. The legitimacy of the test. The numbers that we're being presented with. The scope of the virus. I, I feel comfortable saying that. Maybe you do. Maybe you just believe everything that you've heard from our government and government entities and from the so-called scientists. And they all agree, right? I mean, they're, all the experts are in total agreement, right? No. This is the world we live in, isn't it? And then you're trying to raise children, and you're being an American, and you're running a business. And we don't know. We don't know what's the financial future of this country going to hold. And where do you line up? Do you believe we ought to have secure borders, or, or maybe they ought to be open? I don't know. You could go any number of topics. Do you believe the government is responsible for bailing you and I out, and at what level? Maybe you've got all kinds of varied opinions like everybody else does. And we can get very passionate about it. It's the world we live in. And you're trying to raise children. I think we're pretty fortunate here in Curtin, Texas. Obviously, we've been affected by the pandemic and the politics that we have 
and are enduring here just as an American citizen. But maybe we've been affected not nearly as much as maybe somebody in New York or Los Angeles. But there's, you know, businesses are closing. People actually have died from the pandemic. So we, it's there, isn't it? It's just there at varying levels. And we're just trying to get up in the morning and go to work and pay our bills and be optimistic. And now add Christian to that. Add Christian. So just think about that as we go to this passage in Deuteronomy 6. I've been here. This is a tumultuous time in the nation of Israel, God's people. Great tumult. Just very, lots of things not sure. Lots of things not sure. And God tells his alarmist, God tells his alarmist to tell this to my people. Verse 1, chapter 6. Now, this is the commandment. And by the way, it's just there's no plural there at that point. Another sermon for another day. But he said, this is the commandment. Not commandments. The statutes now, plural, and the judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord, your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments. It's one commandment that now all of this falls under one commandment, and that is the things that ought to be taught, statutes, judgments. Uh, I'm supposed to teach them to you. You're going into a land to possess it. I'm doing it so that you generationally, your son and your grandsons, uh, would fear the Lord. Why? To keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, if you drop all the way down to verse uh, 12 of that same passage, the same series of teaching. Moses says, then watch yourself. Now, here's the alarmist. Then watch yourself, lest you forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Better watch yourself. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods and any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God is in the midst of you as a jealous, is a jealous God, Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. Is that an alarm? Is that a newsworthy item? Was that something that should have been neglected? Should, should Moses shouldn't have, maybe he just shouldn't have said that. Maybe he should have just said, you know, here's what I want. Here's what God wants me to teach you. David, I want you to teach your wife and your kids uh, the commandments. I I, I do. You know, you're going to be going into a foreign land. I'm going to give you that land. And I want things to go good for you and your wife and your kids. You know, you need to, 
I hate to say this. I, I kind of, you need to fear, you need, we need to fear God. By the way, he's the same God that you just witnessed. <laughs> Do something in Egypt that's untold of. Man, the, 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 the ten plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. So, but I just want to remind you that. So I don't want to be too obtrusive here. I really don't want to be too offensive here. But, you know, do all these things because you're going to get some land you didn't work for and, and, and God wants the best for you. Uh, but you probably should fear him. I think maybe you should fear him. But let's not go overboard with that. I mean, you know. Really? I mean, the alarm is... You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. Command, you shall not father other gods, follow other gods, and any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For, again, the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. Where's God? That's what they, well, where is he at? Where's God? No faith. You should diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And again, I say this because we're going to move to Revelation 14 and we're going to tie it all up out of the Sermon on the Mount. The application for today. As a Christian in Curtin, Texas. But there has been this thought. Uh, I went ahead and did some research. Uh, you know, it, it would have been easy for me to say, well, for this has been a thought for 2,000 years. It hasn't been. So since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, since the day he walked out of the tomb, since the day he reappeared to over 500 of his disciples, since the day that, that, that he, he commissioned the apostles to go out and, to all the world and preach the gospel, Matthew 28, 19, Mark 16, 16. For, since uh, the book of Acts in chapter uh, 1 and verses 8, when he told them, you go to Jerusalem and you wait until you receive power on high and you're going to be my witnesses first in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and even the remotest parts of the world. And from that moment where then he ascended into heaven and they saw that, they witnessed that. So now 2,000 years later, something happened. It didn't happen then. And it really didn't begin to happen until several centuries later. And there was a thought among professing Christians, preachers and Christians, and there was a thought. A, a doctrine began to emerge. And the doctrine was, you don't have to keep the commandments of God. You don't have to do that. You're not under the commandments of God. You're free from the burden of following the law and the commandments of God. It's not, it's not biblical. It certainly wasn't a part of the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th century of Christianity. But it's become fairly prevalent. And we talk about faith. And we look at passages of Scripture uh, like in the book of Romans or even Galatians. 
And we've come away with this conclusion. Well, I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm part of the nation of God. I'm a Christian. Uh, you know, I obviously have a purpose, and maybe that purpose is this, and that purpose is that. We're confused about what that is, whether it's church attendance or any number of things. But we've really moved away from this whole idea of commandment and fear of God. As a Christian today, and the application for that in my own life. And, and we do know the scripture does teach that, yes, you cannot keep the commandments and be justified. You cannot. We would agree with that. I'm going to have a very clear handout next week that breaks down commandment and faith and the marriage between the two today. We can only be justified by faith, not by the law. Now, the writer of Galatians, Paul, would say that the law is our tutor. It is our teacher uh, to faith. We'll talk more about that next week. But let's just move forward. Old Testament, I read this last week. I'm going to read it again. Then we're going to make an application out of the Sermon of the Mount and talk about the marriage between today, then, today, and now, the alarm that should be ringing in our life. And we're going to start with this passage here in Romans in 14, Revelation in 14. Now, verse 6, I did not read this last week. Now, you would have to say at this point in this writing, the revelation of John, New Testament, Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. The Apostle Paul is now a prisoner on the Isle of Patmos. Christians are being, huh, you think things are bad now, folks. If there's a little bit of an alarm going on in your life right now, just read the 11th chapter of Hebrews. We still in this country have this great privilege. I believe it's changing. I believe it's dramatically changing. I believe it's going to change quicker than any of us can imagine. I believe you're going to see bastions of the first uh, amendment. I really do. I think you're going to start seeing them dismantled in not only uh, the months ahead of us, but they're already. I really believe that. Alarm number one. I believe that as American, what the rights and privileges that we've shared in the first amendment, the right to practice freedom of religion, those, those are going to be shredded and are being shredded. But they're not right now. You and I can still assemble freely. We can still speak the name of Jesus. Now, I could get very specific if you want some actual application of that, but if you don't believe it, you're going to believe it. And you could say to me, Aubrey, I thought you said. Now, you know, then I'd have to say I was wrong. But I believe with all of my heart that what we have really been blessed with and had the privilege of this freedom to practice and worship how we have so desired in this country as a part of our constitutional republic. I believe those, those are going to be challenged and removed and challenged and removed and ultimately shredded. Christianity will come at a cost in this country. I cannot tell you the day, the time, or the hour that's going to happen, but I believe wholeheartedly he, it's, not only is it going to happen, it's happening. But today, right now, hey, we can freely assemble. Now, we can't. Your young folks can't take their Bible into the public school and speak freely about their faith uh, in many places in this country. And I could go on with more and more application, but I don't want to stray too far from that. But here's what I want you to hear. 2,000 years ago, try to 
Put yourself in this place when John was given this word. Here's the alarmist John. John, uh, Revelation chapter 14. And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. 2,000 years ago, John, in his revelation, in his vision, he saw an angel flying in the mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God. To a people that needed encouragement. To a people that did not live in the United States of America. To a people that, who did not have a constitution protecting their First Amendment rights. To a people that within a hundred years of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ were having their tongues cut out for confessing Jesus. Read the 11th chapter of, of, of Hebrews. Family members were turning in other family members because of their Christianity, and they were being brought before courts. They were beheaded. They were imprisoned. Fathers were turning in children. Children were turning in parents. Husbands and wives were turning each other just because of their Christian faith, and, and, and Christians were being boiled alive, crucified, beheaded, having their tongues cut out. This was happening. And John says, there's an angel. And he's preaching a gospel to all the earth. And the first thing that that angel said with a loud voice and an alarmist voice was, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and springs of water. And another angel and another angel, a second one followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Now that was a statement, and depending on which side of the doctrinal aisle, some would say that is a reference to Rome. Some would say that it was a reference to Rome, but that it's an ongoing reference. That wherever there's a nation that is spurring, endorsing, advocating immorality, it's just another Babylon. You want an alarmist voice? What if the preacher said to you today that Babylon is the United States of America? What if the preacher could say today that I can prove that? I can prove that when the nation that was established by the authority of God, because every nation under heaven and earth has been established by God, and at one time you would say that maybe this country was established on Judeo-Christian principles, and you could probably support that historically. Where is the Judeo-Christian where is the Judeo-Christian principle when the Supreme Court of this nation, who we've decided, boy, if we could just get control of the Supreme Court, if we could just put the constitutional originalist in that, that, that same Supreme Court that in 1963 said that it was okay for a woman to abort a living child that God had formed in her womb without recourse at all, and not only did the Supreme Court of this nation say that that could be done, but they would support it legally, and then you have an entire 
two, three, and now four generations that absolutely even celebrate that and think that that is some kind of right to be celebrated. That's not an alarmist. That's not intending for you to have fear in your heart, uh, you know, to entice you to celebrate something that you already feel passionately about. It's Babylon. It's Babylon. I could go on. I could go on. The great crime of Babylon. One of the great crimes. And every Babylon that has ever existed, whether it was the Roman Empire or maybe the United States of America or China, you, they've all had one thing in common. The murder and slaughter of innocent children in and out of the womb. Fear God. Fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine and the passion of her immorality. The sitting, watching television with Tammy, it's been a couple of weeks ago, I may have already made mention of this. There was a commercial. And the commercial was, as 2020 was coming to an end, there was the image of Satan, and, 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 and it was a match, matchmaker.com type thing, or a dating site, and his match was... 2020. And it was just mayhem. You could laugh at that. Or you could be alarmed by that. Wow, we don't want to be too radical. The very next commercial, that commercial went to the next commercial, which was this wonderful commercial about uh, the abortion pill. And how, I didn't, it's just so easy, it's just, you could just get a pill for an abortion now. And it's advertised, and you've got a 1-800 number and a website. And then the very next commercial was a commercial about a show that's celebrating uh, transsexual drag queens. Alarmist. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her morality. And Paul would say there's going to be a time when we call good, evil, and evil good. And then Moses would say, you need to teach this to your children and your grandchildren. Teach them what? That you can just make light of Satan in a bad year. If you don't like the outcome of your immoral sexual behavior, you can get a pill and eliminate it. Or you can do what the Bible says is the very abomination under the guy under the eyes of God, where you can exchange the natural it's New Testament by the way, Romans chapter one. The natural the natural purpose and desire of a woman and a man and exchange it for something that is 
the incorruptible for something that's corruptible. But you could just make light of it. You could put that under the word of, in, of tolerance and inclusion and tolerance to Satan in his way and inclusion to the immorality of Satan and Babylon in her way, but it is not inspired by the fear of God according to his commandments. But it gets better or maybe worse or more alarming. Verse 9, and another angel, a third one followed him, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image, if he receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, he'll also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. That should ring an alarm. That's New Testament. I don't care if the Babylon is Rome. I don't care if the Babylon is the United States of America. It was true then. It's true today. And you and I can just live lightly according to that. Just any prescription that we want to put to it, turn a, a blind eye somewhere else, not realize the effect that it's going to have on Catherine and Adeline and Grace and all of your children and your grandchildren. We can just be numb. Or we can have eyes to see and ears that hear. And so, continue reading. I mean, that's, uh, he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the land, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. This is eternal. And they have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name... Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Amen. But that's not enough. And I heard a voice from heaven. We have three angels and now we have a voice from heaven. Care to, care to guess who that voice is? I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds will follow them. Faith without works is dead. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. The thing that, as an alarmist, I'm going to aspire for the ministry that God has given me in Curtin, Texas, to faithfully show you the biblical marriage between commandments and faith. Don't have time this morning. We'll start next week. Let me tell you what's going to emerge from that. There is an alarm, but then there is something even better for those who hear it. And it's called security and it's called peace and that's we'll start there next week but but let me just say this here's the perseverance of the saints here's how the saints are going to get through this first and foremost if you're a saint it's because Jesus Christ made you a saint. He sanctified you by his blood on the cross. And so if you have been 
sanctified by Jesus Christ. Not only will you keep the commandments of God, but you'll understand it in light of faith. And then the blessing that comes from that. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be there next week, he gave a whole series of commandments. I'll just give you an example. He said, uh, somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn the other. Somebody sues you for your shirt, give them your jacket. If somebody says go one mile, go two miles. Commandments. Just commandments. Then he would go on to say, love your enemy. He would also say, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. So, a dying world, a world who thinks it's funny that we can make light of, a, of the satanic and a horrific year and take a pill to end a birth, to destroy the soul, the life, the physical life that would house a soul in the womb of a mother. I'm going to tell you, that's the world, folks, where we can celebrate the corruptible and call it tolerance. That's the world. And the only hope this world has, the only hope this world has ever had, is when God's people see the commandments of God in light of their faith and the great work that God accomplished so that we could do that through his son. And now all of a sudden, something happens. In the midst of a pandemic, people that never knew the Lord could know the Lord. In the midst of the demise of a, a nation and all those things that you talked about, Mark, the tenets that are falling apart, even in the midst of that, as God's people fear him, live according to his commandments by faith, souls are saved, hearts are changed. Hearts are changed. Salvation reigns and sin is overcome and Satan is destroyed. Next week, we're going to start this journey together. I thank you again for being here this morning. I, I truly do. We do have much to be thankful for. And uh, it starts with our understanding of Christ making you and I a saint. Christ making you and I a saint. He sanctified us. And that's something worth believing in, following in, and living our life according to. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, help us. Help us to be your people in this dark, broken, unspiritual world. Help us to be a pillar and a light and a sweet aroma. Help us to not only know your commandments, but to understand your commandments and to live according to your commandments by faith. Help us to honor you and help us to be that changing light in the life of a dying person, even a dying nation. Father, we know that this request is is possible because of the faithfulness of your Son. And it is in the pure and holy and faithful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As we prepare now for communion, let us remind ourselves of the need we have for Christ Jesus. Every hour, remain seated and sing these words. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord, no tender voice like
come to the Lord's table today. Let's reflect on this week. Let's reflect on our lives. Let's reflect on the word that the Lord delivered through Pastor Aubrey today. Meditate on these words. Meditate on on all that we've read and discussed. And just, again, open our hearts and meditate on these things. On that night, he was betrayed. He prayed, broke the bread. This is my body, which is for you. Take. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Let us stand together. Join our voices together once again. Sing the words to who you say I am.
Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for the fact that we can come before you blameless and spotless through the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you this morning for the vivid reminder that we need to open our eyes to the world around us and see the fact, Lord, that even though things may be dark and things may be heading in directions, Lord, that, that are contrary to you and contrary to, uh, uh, to this world as you originally designed it, God, we have faith that our relationship with you, uh, Lord, the sanctification progress, the process that we have through our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith in the resurrected Savior, Lord, these are the things that we have hope in today. Lord, we just pray that, the, that as we go from here, Lord, that we will be unashamed in our proclamation of the gospel. Lord, that we will be unafraid to speak truth to power. Lord, that we will be unafraid to proclaim who Jesus is and what he has done for our lives, Lord. It's such a, such a message that the world needs to hear. Lord, we thank you very much for this new year and these new opportunities which you give to us. We thank you for the weather this morning and the reminder of your power. And it is in that power, Lord, that we, that we move forth from here. And we thank you for all of these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a wonderful week.